Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, welcome to The Sportive. This is episode 21. Uh, we got kind of a stripped-down version. I'm John Marthaler, and we don't have a guest tonight because we've got on the line returning is Brandon. Sup, fuckers. And via, via I guess, the hotline is Stu, from, from all the way from Stearns County. Yo, this ass. <laughs> I, like I really, I, I really regret not getting involved in the catchphrase part of this podcast. Sucks. I, Someone had to be a normal. I guess I'm the normal one. Uh, anyway, we can jump right in because we don't have any guests to try to make feel good about themselves right now. And what we really want to talk about is specifically the Timberwolves, partially because Brandon wasn't here last week, and so missed our NBA draft expert, Rough Cat, talking about the draft, which actually happened prior to the draft. So we we sort of were overtaken by events one day later. So, Brandon, let's get your reaction to the Timberwolves draft last week. And I think we also want to talk a little bit about our reaction to the media's reaction to the draft. Okay, well, um, I hope you guys can be patient because I've got a lot on my mind. Um, I'm a little conflicted because there has been some good news for the squad uh, since draft night, but we'll get to that part in a second. I think we we should... Just um, let's start with the bad news and then uh, move on from there. So I have two things that I'm um, bummed about. Um, number one was the actual draft results, and number two was the media's reaction, as you mentioned. So um, I want to talk about both of them at length, if that's okay with you. Hey, all we got is time, Brandon. Okay. Go for it. Okay, so number one, the actual draft. So I'll start with the conclusion, which is I don't care about the result, right? It's the process that really, really bothered me, and I thought highlighted – um, flips capabilities or lack thereof. You know, uh, Shabazz... Um, the one player that pretty much nobody wanted coming into the draft. Everyone said, all right, as long as we don't end up taking Shabazz stupidly, we're going to be fairly happy, which is exactly so, when it ended up happening. Exactly. So, you know, but who knows? He might turn into a good player. Stranger things have happened, right? And uh, uh, old Georgia or old uh, Georgie Dongs was a good selection. <laughs> And uh, it rim is good protector. to save. He's a rim protector, Brandon. He, he protects those rims, um, and it's good to save money uh, for the salary cap by selling that extra pick. 
fine. But overall, none of that really matters. The process really, really irked me, and I think every other fan who knows his shit uh, was with me. Um, and it's not really a good sign for the future at all. Um, and I think the main reason for that is Flip very clearly showed his hand um, at having no grasp on advanced ad- analytics, right? So most of us numbers geeks wanted McCollum uh, way over Shabazz. We, we thought that Shabazz would have been like a maybe early second rounder at most, right? Really? So, yeah, and the, the only reason we wanted McCollum was little things like um, he's basically a much better basketball player in every facet. You know, those small things like he's a better shooter, he's a better facilitator, he's more efficient, he's better defensively, fills up the stat sheet in very positive ways, um, and basically is just better at basketball. Um, but we care about stuff like that. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. CJ McCollum, the two things that I knew about him for sure were, number one, he was short, which the Timberwolves have been, struggled with because they've had the short Luke Ridnour playing that position too often. And number two, he was sort of a combo point guard shooting guard, which I think we all have been burned by in the past with your Randy Foys and Johnny Flynn's. Okay. So those are those are my two not numbers based criticisms, and I'd like to hear what you thought about both of those. Okay. Well, um, let me answer your last one first. Um, just because Randy Foy and Johnny Flynn were terrible draft picks doesn't mean that C.J. McCollum is a terrible draft pick. There's also <laughs> tons of dudes who are about his size that are really good basketball players. And a combo guard means that he's really good at handling the basketball, which is usually seen as a really good thing. Um, <laughs> and your second thing about height, um, I think, is something that Flip mentioned about... Um, okay, so so we have no idea what Flip didn't like about um, CJ from a numbers perspective, right, from his point of view. I'm guessing he didn't really pay much attention yeah, to Yeah, I'm guessing he didn't think about the numbers. It's pretty obvious, right? So the only thing that Flip said was that CJ was passed up because of his height. Um but just a quick r- reminder about um, the game of basketball. Players don't defend with the tops of their heads ever. That's not necessarily uh, true. Nikola Pekovic often defends with the top of his head. So Al, Jefferson, height, Al Jefferson didn't know for six years that he could raise his arms above his head when somebody came into the lane. Okay. Well, I've seen CJ put his arms above his head. He's not the second right. coming of John McCain. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, so, Mad, former prisoner of war John McCain. Yeah. Um, okay, so basically what we're talking about is wingspan, right? Um, and old uh, old uh, Shamu there has five-inch longer wingspan than McCollum. His is 6'11", McCollum's is 6'6". So we're basically drafting a guy who is worse at the game of basketball because each of his arms is two inches longer. Uh, that's a very weird priority to me, um, having slightly longer arms, but what do I know? Um, the point is not that Flip's scouting is different than, than my scouting or your scouting. The point is he is relying on scouting way too much in general. And I think he needs to learn his numbers. So that's like the main thing. All right. Is so there, I, let, let me say, is there an example of a guy in past drafts who was beloved by numbers people and dropped in the draft because of scouting and then that we can point to and say, well, it's just like this guy. Do you know of anybody like that? I, I realize I'm putting you on the spot and asking for a fact here, which is not what we do on the sportive. No. Um, off the top of my head, no. I mean, I think most of the time we set our sights on guys like uh, Wesley Johnson uh, <laughs> and guys like Johnny Flynn, who were terrible. Um, the advanced numbers said, don't ever touch this guy. Whether Even if you have a pick 20, uh, 20 picks later, don't touch him. 
Um, and that's, I think, where I devote the majority of my energy is finding guys that we fucked up yeah. uh, by taking rather than by not taking. But I can guarantee you there's there's um, many, many, many examples of that. Okay. Um, Keep going. Sorry. Okay. So Flip, uh, it's not just that he uh, had this one example where it makes it seem like he doesn't understand advanced analytics. Like I think he showed his hand earlier as well. When he was asked about advanced stats, he said that Mike Muscala would be the top pick if advanced stats meant anything to the game. Is that and true? Roseville. Don't discount the fact said. that he's from Roseville. The answer to that is no, he would not have. <laughs> it, not even fucking close to have been the top pick. So what Flip doesn't understand, and he very clearly admitted, is that on, that on like day two of the advanced stat geekery boot camp we all went to, uh, we learned to adjust for age and strength of schedule really, really quickly. And we do that because those are really big predictors for future success. So, no, idiot, he would not have been the first pick. Old no, old uh, Noel Nerlens would have been the first pick for, for most of us stat geeks, right? All right. He also mentioned that Miami and Indiana uh, were two teams that were built on what he called the eye test, uh, so for more scouting, which is just laughably wrong. <laughs> if you read, like, nine words into any Spolstra uh, profile, it explains how much advanced stats mean to him. Uh, explains that he'd bring, like, spreadsheets to practice, explain how he taught LeBron all this, uh, what all of these things meant about efficiency. Same with the Indiana coach as well. So, I mean, I understand Flip knows his hoops uh, and X's and O's more than me, but he just spouts this bullshit off about stats because he knows he won't ever get called on it. I mean, I would honestly pay money to know what numbers or scouting led him to think that CJ, or to, that Shabazz is the answer over keeping the pick and taking McCollum. Like, if I was given the option to pay money to give uh, Flip sodium pentothal just for like an hour of questioning, I would do it, like, hands down. Somebody just throw me a number, get me in a room with them, and I want to find out because I'm honestly just fucking baffled at what made him <laughs> think this was the way to do it. Um, so, okay, so hold on. I'm not right. even close to being done yet. This all right, sorry. All I keep interrupting you, and I shouldn't. Just keep on flying. This, Let it go. This is not all out. that irks me, okay? Yeah. I think he also pretty clearly wasn't prepared for the draft. And that, to me, is a bad sign considering it was maybe the most important night of the year for him, right? This has to be the number one most important night. Winning at the draft is by far the top priority for a team like the Wolves to have sustainable success. Um, <clears throat> they'll never get really free no agents. Other answer. Yeah, they'll never get free yeah. agents. So everybody on earth knew that the Wolves wanted and needed a shooting guard. Uh, Flip admitted it. There, no secret whatsoever. There's no reason even trying to not tell people that because it was so obvious, right? So he didn't come out of that draft getting one, even though Macklemore dropped uh, three or four I'm spots. <laughs> even though <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope was available a pick earlier than him, right? So he didn't pre prepare, evidently, one scenario in which he could flip something to Detroit or Sacramento to move up a spot or two spots. I mean, there are 29 other teams. Um, all of them want something at some point, right? So there probably were a few teams that would have liked to have moved up in the draft. There were a few teams that wanted to move down in the draft. Some of them needed a backup point guard like Ridnar Berea. Some of them wanted to maybe buy low on a really cheap power forward like Derek Williams. Some probably just wanted to drop players and salary caps so they could tank. It's just not possible at all that if he did the, the requisite preparation with each one of these teams and got creative, that there was no way he could have gotten a little bit clever and got one of the guys that he actually wanted. I just do not believe it. With those assets and that ninth pick, to come out of it with nothing, uh, that to me is um, scary. So, 
according to Flip, they had three guys on their list, and then uh, the Shabazz thing was their fourth option. So think of that strategy that he like straight up admitted. They basically wrote down three players that they wanted, <laughs> which I'm guessing were Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, right, that they thought they might be able to get. Yep. So they wrote those three guys down on their whiteboard in the room, and then just fucking cross their fingers and hoped it happened. And afterwards, like they're he, like, I don't know, let's just pick, move down and pick the worst guy in the draft. Yeah, he honestly said that was plan D. So, okay. What about the other million fucking scenarios that could have gotten you a player you actually like and need? What about trading up? What about trading the pick for an established guy already on somebody's roster? Um, if what you were quoted was your fourth choice is also something you immediately apologized for, you need to be very, very embarrassed. Because there were truly dozens, honestly, dozens of options that smart fans would have loved that you wouldn't have had to apologize for. So that's bothering me. That's, I think, um, fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still not done. Okay. Another Sorry. thing on preparation. Flip seems to be selling the story that so many, I, I don't know if you guys heard this, but a couple times he mentioned like that so many crazy things happened got, that got out of hand that night. That's what kind of threw him off a little bit, right? So Bennett going number one. Let me ask you, how in the fuck would that have changed the Wolves' plans? Not at all. Noel dropping number six. Again, how in the holy fuck did that change the Timberwolves' plans? McLemore was unlikely to be there. You know, maybe as a couple, um, no matter what we thought. And it was either going to be Contavious Caldwell-Pope or C.J. McCollum. One of those two was likely to be available, right? The This was such an insane night excuse is just such a blatant cop-out. Um, that because the situation at nine was almost exactly what everybody was expecting. Well, to be fair, so, everyone was expecting that Caldwell Pope would be available at the ninth pick. I don't. I, I think there were no mock drafts that didn't show him going to the Timberwolves at the at nine. I know that I read for sure that the Pistons were interested, so I have to think that Flip also knew that they were interested. Well, I don't know if we necessarily know that. I'm not sure Flip yeah. actually did a lot of reading before this draft. So even if this draft order did throw him off how in the hell is that a remotely acceptable excuse to actually come out and say so i'm not you guys know like i'm not even close to an executive at my company right i'm an i'm a an underling that's not true as far as i know you run the company well i'm sorry that i have to burst your bubble and i really loved that i was able to pretend that that was happening but it's not true right so let's say i went to a vendor trade show uh, or a vendor fair or something with the intent of luring some new fashion brands to jc penny could you imagine uh, the reaction of my bo- of my bosses if I came home and was like, "Well, um, the three brands that I wanted got scooped up by Macy's, and at that point I had no idea what I was doing, so I just sort of walked around. And anyway, all I got was Fila. So we're going to be carrying Fila all next year." <laughs> Stu, um, just my as bosses. an aside, is Fila bad, Stu? <laughs> yeah, BC Boys made fun of Fila, I believe. Did they? I my bosses would yeah. fire me. They would just have fucking fired me for being that unprepared, right? And again, my job is like one one millionth as important as Flips. And somehow this was okay. So not only was his point of view that it was a surprising draft totally incorrect, but even if it was correct, it would just be awful anyway. So all in all, he doesn't understand numbers. He wasn't prepared. Terrible combination uh, for Flip, and I'm not happy about it. Okay, that is the end of my first point of the night. Okay. So the one thing I want to ask you right now is, who are you... Are there too many states nowadays? <laughs> Can you eliminate three? Sorry. <laughs> no. Yes, you're not a crackpot. Okay. <laughs> I. Who are you more frustrated with? 
Flip Saunders or Terry Ryan? Both have some of the same criticisms going right now of they're not numbers guys, they don't pay attention to these things, they depend too much on scout. I mean, your whole screed about not paying too much attention to scouting and not enough numbers could be lifted wholesale from really any Twins discussion that's been had among advanced stats kind of people for the last five years. So who is more frustrating to you? So far, more frustrating to me is Flip because he's done... Because Terry Ryan has done a few things okay. He seems to be fine at drafting guys and developing guys. Yeah. And he did trade A.G. Pierzynski for Joe Nathan and Francisco Liriano at one point. And yeah. that got a count for all. And Boof Bonzer. Let's not forget the Boof. Don't ever forget Boof. That's our number Don't one thing we want people to know so about this podcast. Whatever he does after that is probably worth it. Yeah, but they're both very close, and you're going to have a lot of trouble succeeding with both of them. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's move on to my next point. All right, next point. And this, this is the media's reaction. So this is where I went from, like, bummed out to basically my head popping out and doing, like, a cartoon 360 and steam coming out of my ears. Um, because most of the uh, media was not happy with the Shabazz pick, or most of them said, like, hey, this wasn't planned, or this wasn't what they wanted to do, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then once the press conference with Flip started. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but every single dude just immediately changed his tune. So I want to actually fire some shots out. I'm not going to be subtweeting anybody right now. Um, first off, uh, uh, Doogie. Uh, Darren Wolfson, that's his name, right? Doogie Wolfson. Yeah. Doogie's point was, his first quote was, really love his honesty. So my point here is, this isn't alcoholism. Admitting it is not half the battle here. <laughs> like, you don't get any extra wins for being awarded the most honest GM, right? The only benefit to him being honest is he makes the media's job somehow easier, right? That doesn't matter. Like, I understand that Khan was obnoxious and grating, but I would for sure take it if he was good at his job. Like, am I the only one who just doesn't give a shit who is nice to the media? Can I request I think- a moratorium of these guys for- to shut up about that sort of stuff? Well, since I'm sort of the media, apparently, um, I have to stick up for him. Um, uh, Zolgad, I think, had a similar take, and basically uh, he was, and I think they're just so used to being lied to, and obviously lied to, and spun, that when someone actually admits, yeah, you know, we just kind of, you know, this isn't how we planned it, things didn't work out the way we thought it did, you know, we made the best of a bad situation and all that chaos, which is probably true, even though it's damning with very faint praise. But, I mean, that's, um, I think they're just so used to being bullshitted. Like, we plan to take Shabazz Muhammad, is what they were probably expecting to hear. And then when Saunders turned around and said, ah, you know, one thing led to another, I got, you know. Bad at my job. Exactly. I'm I'm so bad at my job. uh, But, yeah, I, I think that's where they're coming from. I can understand that. But I also say I, I am with Brandon in this case in that, you know, don't, you know, give him points for not lying to you. I mean, that's just it's not your job to do that. You, your job is to, you know, maybe critique, you know, the whole process. Yeah, get it's, some answers, right? It is way easier, yeah. though, when somebody actually straight up tells you what's going on and you can just write in the paper what they said and have that yeah. be the truth rather than having to write, well, this is what David Kahn said, and here is two paragraphs worth of context 
proving that David Kahn yeah. is a moron, but since I'm reporting what he actually said, I have to report what he said, not just write, David Kahn is an idiot, and here's what he said, and you should not take it at face value. It does I mean, make life I, easier, but... I'm sure it makes life easier for the media, but again, that doesn't really help and matters. It's not really relevant to us non-media members. So, but that's the perfect segue to um, to my next point. Like, sometimes you shouldn't just write down what he says because he seems honest, right? Because John Krasinski, I'm firing a shot at you now, too, his point when it, with one of his tweets was, you know, Flip did make the point that it was a really strange draft night, so I understand uh, what happened there. Again, to whom was this a strange draft night? Was Flip just, like, uh, refreshing ESPN.com's mock draft and just figured it was going to happen exactly like the way he saw it? I mean, we've gone over it already, but it was not that weird of a night. Yeah, I understand that Flip would try to sell that story a little bit because it takes a little bit of the heat off him, but why does Krasinski, like, lap it up like that and just point it out? Because it very clearly, like, honestly, how many seconds does it take thinking about that draft before you realize that that's bullshit? Like, 10 seconds? 30 seconds? It would make sense if the Timberwolves had had the fourth pick or something like that, and it had been in the midst of Nerlens Noel is falling, falling all the way down, and why did they pick Anthony Bennett at pick number one? Or I can understand that, but when you're at pick nine, yeah. it's like having pick number 22 and saying, well, the chaos at the top of the draft really affected us. Really, it chaos. didn't. You were just sort of sitting in the room watching what happened. It, the Timberwolves' choice didn't change a whole lot. They no. went into the draft thinking, all right, we're going to have to pick between Kentavious Caldwell-Pope or C.J. McCollum or maybe Cody Zellers if he's still available. Zellers yeah. wasn't available. Then it turned out Caldwell Pope wasn't available. So your choice between your choice gets easy at that point. It, it even gets easy in the sense of saying, "Well, Ben McLemore is dropping. Maybe we can move up a couple of spots." You know that if he drops to six, here's what this number six team is going to ask for. You know, if he drops to seven, here's what they're going to ask for, etc., etc., etc. Down the line, Plan D was an embarrassment. That's bullshit. The fourth plan. There's got to be 100 of them on your list. Morons? Okay, I'm almost done firing shots. And then right. we can move on, right? Zagoda, <laughs> his first point was, hey, I got to say, flip, not Khan-esque at all. Uh, fucking fantastic, Zagoda. I'm glad that he's nicer to you than Khan, a lot less annoying, right? We're all very happy that you uh, get to enjoy your job a little bit more. But just, just because he's better than the worst guy doesn't make him good, you know? This, to me, is like the judge giving the convicted murderer right after Jeffrey Dahmer a light fine and community service, right? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, at least you didn't eat him. <laughs> I love that David Kahn is Jeffrey Dahmer in this metaphor. Yeah, yeah. David Never Kahn saw him in Jeffrey the same place. That's all I'm going to say. And, and no, I am not taking that one back. I wouldn't. No. Okay, last one. Last one fair. to be fired. Jake Nyberg, stop trolling me. You can't admit you don't follow college hoops in one tweet and then spend the next, like, three hours telling Wolves fans to calm down and have some perspective. And please, man, do not use the word emotional casually. That's, like, a very offensive thing to throw out to grown adults, right? Like, don't you ever have a thing where you're just sort of annoyed with something and someone says you're getting emotional and then you find out that you're very, very, very upset at them? He just keeps doing this all the time, like, hey, have some perspective and tone it down a little bit. Like, for the most part, we are sports angry, not real-life angry. You need to trust that some <laughs> of us are adults and have some perspective, and maybe if 99% of the people who pay attention to this sport more than you do think it was a bad draft, 
And maybe if the GM himself admits he has a lot of work to do, you can just accept it and move on. You don't need to weigh in and be a contrarian here every single time. I will say, maybe you're out of your element here, Donnie. That's exactly what it seemed like to me. So just trust the experts and don't assume that if we speak negatively about the home team, that we're some sort of mouth-breathing rube, uh, that it's like waiting on K-Fan to call in to to cry about something, right? Well, to Sometimes. be to be to take the side of the mouth of the media for just a second, they do have to deal with an awful lot of mouth breathe, mouth breathing rubes day to day. And oh, I get it. I mean, I'm not one to the point that Stu is getting called the media. The mouth <laughs> breathing the mouth breathing rubes are turning on one of their own and yelling at Stu on Twitter. Stu, you want to tell that story quick? Just We've mentioned it a couple of times. Now. Oh, I, well, I, it wasn't a mouth-breathing rube who called me a mouth-breathing, or pardon me, a media member. It was uh, Canis Can- uh, Hoopas, actually. He called me a media member, <laughs> which yep. is just, wow. That was, that, you don't get a shot like that too often when you're an anonymous idiot like me. That but, had to uh, sting. That had to hurt a little bit. It stung, yeah. I have, it was just, it was, it was unexpected. And, but, yeah, I, was, I had a... Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Joe Maurer was uh, benched yesterday, and he's been like he's played like the most games of any twin this year. And I just tweeted out, you know, uh, morons complaining about Maurer being soft in three, two, and that was my tweet. And um, the uh, complaint from Canis, but actually, and there is some legitimacy to it. There's, I think, a chicken and egg element to it. Is that is there a bigger problem with us egging on? You know, the morons who are going to say Maurer's soft and he's 23 million bucks. Why isn't he playing every day? And why is he taking a game off at home against the Yankees? It's because he's soft and doesn't want to play and he sucks and he's terrible. And the thing is, those guys are out there and they're morons and they need to be called out. I'm yeah. sorry. They I think just, we, need just a, do. we need to ferret as many of those people out as possible so they can be hung up for public and ridicule. Yeah. They absolutely need to be ridiculed. Maurer's played... Um, really, really, really good this year. He's, you know, I mean, he's striking out too much, and that's because he's probably trying to hit, you know, for more power. And he's doing really good. I mean, he's his numbers, I believe, are, you know, in line with somebody who's, like, very good at what they do. Yes. I think. I, I think, I'm right I think that. that is inarguable. So, you're going out on yeah. a limb there, but, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm just saying. He's... You know, he's yeah. really good at what he does, and he doesn't deserve to take shit about being soft or taking the game off here and there. It's just an unfair Media criticism. Guys. We, we really like to get out there and stimulate controversy on this podcast. So yeah. go ahead and tweet us at Sport, Sportive Podcast if you don't agree that Joe Maurer is good at what he does. Yeah, and I'm sorry if that's just, you know, if there's just, you know, some guy, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I just... These guys aren't mainstream people, but, I mean, they will, you'll hear them on, you know, calling into Barrero or calling into Saturday Sports Talk, and it's just, it'll it'll drive you nuts, and I just, I it's, don't know. It's Todd, friggin' Todd. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a whole bunch of guys named Todd who are just the worst people in the world, and they've got a Camaro and a couple of Dewey's, and they can't keep a job, and... It's they're they're bad. They're bad. and they're all from Blaine. No, and the guy there's another shot of Krasinski right there. Sorry, Jen. I love this. We are firing so many shots tonight. I but do yeah. think I do think that the media guys will not have another night where they're like, "Wow, what a guy, Flip." 
What a what a guy. You know, like I think maybe it was just like a one night thing. They got out of their system and they can start actually critiquing like professional adults soon. That's my hope. Cuz that was bad. That was an embarrassing night for every single person around. <laughs> that was a bad night for a number of different media outlets. Yeah. Of all yep. different media types. All right. So, is that all we have to say that can we conclude by just saying that Flip is a moron and move on from there? Yes, okay, so in conclusion, yes, this could all work out. Yes, I'm still rooting for the team. Yes, I'm still optimistic for next season. But Flip's disregard for stats and admitted lack of preparation for a really important night uh, shows that, again, I think continues to show that he was the wrong hire. Um, And as I mentioned, he had a local media um, sucking up because... He's nice, is annoying, and laughable, and um, dumb things make me sad. The end. One thing I do want to, just to continue to belabor this point a little bit more, I I do want to ask, where was Rick Adelman in all of this? Because presumably he wasn't like on vacation, like picking up his phone for updates, like, oh, we picked Traber, I, I guess we must be about to trade this. Presumably he was in the room saying... Yeah, this was this is a good idea. We should trade back and get Shabazz Muhammad, the guy who doesn't fit into the way I like to play basketball at all. Super strange. I think that's a great question, and I don't know if anybody asked and just didn't get an answer, um, uh, or too busy just shining flips. But um, I would have loved to know that as well, because if you look at the way Muhammad has played, uh, basically his career, he's not what you'd consider an Adelman type player, right? He's an ISO. Um, he's not great with ball movement. He had less than one assist per game yeah, with the he, ball in his hands constantly. That is that's fucking incredible. That's like remember Chris Humphreys on the Gophers. I was just going to make that comparison. <laughs> okay. I was going to call him Michael Beasley crossed with Gophers era Chris Humphreys, but there yeah, you go. Right, that's that's exactly like the way he is. So that soup that really surprised me because another bad sign of the night seemed like Flip was saying we're you know it's sort of like a my way uh, deal. Um, but it doesn't seem like that, especially considering Buttinger and Martin are both signed on the same exact day. Both very, very, very clearly Edelman guys. Um, they they're, uh, have both said that they've been talking to Edelman the entire time. He's the reason they're coming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So kind of a weird scenario. Like I wish I would have heard uh, on draft night, like what was Edelman's point of view on, on those guys, or on, on Muhammad. Let's let's talk a little bit about those signings because both of them just came down today. So yeah. take us through those a little bit. Okay, so uh, Buttinger got, I believe, three years, $16 million. Um, I'm Correct. not sure about a player team option after that. Uh, it's expensive, but you need to overpay when you're in Minnesota. And the Martel market... Webster got four years, twenty-two million from Washington. <laughs> yeah, Martel Hold on. Webster. Can you hold on one second? Every smart GM hearing that going, God damn it! <laughs> so, I don't have to try to put that in like the, my comparisons for why you deserve X amount of money. Fuck. Hold on. I, I think I just heard Stu say that Martel Webster, the Martel, Martel four Webster, years, twenty-two, four years, twenty-two million. Yeah. yeah. Are you joking? That's fu- that's nope. brutal. Why? It is so incredible to me this day and age that there are still deals like this that are happening that are absolutely batshit for every single person on the planet besides the person who made the deal, right? There is nobody defending that move right now there by are, any means. 
there are 22 Martell Webster's available right now for the veterans minimum or whatever the equivalent is in the NBA. There yes. are four, there are 12 draft picks that went undrafted. Rodney Williams <laughs> yeah. is a Martell Webster. <laughs> yeah. There are there are unlimited number of guys just like that. Mikhail Jellabale, Martell Webster. Yes. He can be had for nothing. He's sitting Go in your living room right now. Watch like 3 games and find somebody, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Anybody. Yeah. Which I guess is why the Wizards are the Wizards, but still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's still just that and the, the New York Knicks trade was, if you think that's bad, the New York Knicks trade was so, so much worse. Just an absolute embarrassment to the sport. Take us this through the Knicks still trade. Happen. What's that? Take us through the Knicks trade, just to explain what that is for the most okay. of our listeners who won't know what that is. So... Oh, I have to speak to listeners who probably don't care about basketball. Shoot, I forgot. Yeah, okay. this is for Andrea. Clarence, who might be. Well, let's be honest, Clarence is not listening to this podcast. No way in hell. He can't be here tonight, uh, so he's just the giving. The Toronto it up. Raptors have a guy, Andrea Bargnani, who's like a, a a four or a five power forward center. It's just super soft, shoots threes, but can't defend or rebound or shit. Absolutely one dimensional and is barely, barely, barely league average because of how bad he is at the other aspects of the game. And he's got this gigantic contract that was basically considered an albatross for the Raptors. So they were just trying to get rid of his contract for anything, right? So he was traded to the Knicks for Marcus Camby and Steve Novak, which uh, they have a little bit friendlier deals. So you think, yeah, that makes sense. Novak is actually not a whole lot worse than Bargnani anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. And you throw in Camby, who could be a decent deadline deal. That all makes sense. So that trade should be the trade, right? But what the Knicks did is they also threw in, like, three first-round picks. <laughs> like, they don't even have many first-round picks because they trade them, traded them all away previously, right? I think they honestly gave them two first-rounders and a second-rounder, some insane number. Even one pick in the second round is too much. <laughs> Unbelievable. So the Knicks are just basically uh, counting on winning all of the championships and having their picks be worth nothing anyway. Because Andrea like Bargnani. a guy that they like need, right? They, they don't need – they have Chandler at the five. They have Carmelo Anthony who's really good when he's playing power forward and he sucks at the three, you know, because he's just a ball hog. So they're not getting any better. And they still have Stoudemire as far as I know. Just a <laughs> dude that they do not need at all and they mortgage their future for him. And he's already old and bad. All right. So that's bad. Okay, so that was a little bit around about considering all the bad shit that has happened in the NBA. Um, Budinger, who you know hasn't played a ton of minutes um, in his career, um, usually a backup, two or three, um, getting $5 million a year seems slightly extravagant, but considering that it's Minnesota and nobody ever wants to come play here, and considering that he can shoot the lights out when he's healthy and that's what we need. I think it was a good signing. Um, and then just recently we signed Kevin Martin uh, to a four-year $28 million. Uh, That hasn't fallen through, right, as far as we know so nope, far? It's, it's, a, it's a thing. I didn't it's actually know it was a thing until right now. So, Oh, Jesus. Yep. Oh, yeah, you were out at the bar. Yeah, I was yeah. I, I was out of touch for the last hour. This is what that happens when is. you leave the house during free agency. I don't know what I was How thinking. How dare you? Well, yeah, that's the last time you do that. Yep. From now on, I, I'm taking work off for the NHL trade deadline. I'm doing all that stuff. I'm going to be that guy from now on. Oh, classic. Need that guy. Yep. 
So signed Kevin Martin to a four-year, $28 million deal. Again, it seems kind of expensive on its face, but, you know, you can put make a pretty he, – he's already in the top – something of best free agent signings we've ever had just by coming yeah. here, right? I'm not yeah. saying he's great or amazing by any means. That's the but best year of his life with Rick Adelman in Sacramento, correct? Yes, he was really, good. really good for years. Even last yeah. year he shot like 40% from threes, 90% from the free throw line. He's not yeah. getting to the line as much, but give me a but, break. Well, he was a, and also he's the third, he was the third option in Oklahoma City. I mean, How is he defensively? Not that good. He's a bit of a matador, but... um, Well, that's what the Timberwolves need is another matador out top. Well, I think the point about uh, him defensively is that Adelman's teams play sneakily decent defense. Like last year, they had so many injuries, whatever. They were still, I think, like, unless they could have dropped off at the very end, but for the most of the year, they were like 12th to 14th in defensive efficiency. So they were okay because his system and his coaches are smart enough um, that they can do all right. Um, and they rebound. I mean, they rebound. They're you know they got have a good rebounding core. Yeah. I mean, you have Love and Pekovic. I mean, now that's yeah, that's just you know a thing they can do. And now you got the rim protector, the rim protector. Yeah, Greg Doritos. Oh, G. Stolen entirely from our absent uh, coworker here, but. Um, Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's got about 17 of them on the Twitter. Clarence has oh, been God. at the forefront of renaming old Greg Doritos. <laughs> I, I don't think we should ever call any athlete by his actual name, if yep. possible. Can we make that be one of our main tenets here? At, I we think need to come up with something have, for Shabazz Muhammad, because that's a fucking mouthful right there. Yep. I think that that's only true if their name is in any way hard to pronounce. For example, Joe Maurer, there's no mangling that one. Yeah. Yep. But... Shabazz Muhammad? Yeah, we can mangle that Something one. And different. I honestly can't even come close to pronouncing the Timberwolves' second first-round draft pick, so Greg Doritos is about as... <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that, actually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Um, I don't... It seems like people are down on Kevin Martin and have been down on him. Um, I don't really understand why, I guess. I don't know if he's... Is, just cause, is it because he looks like a wiener? That's because he looks kind of sour. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, yeah, I think when you think of shooting guards, you never think of Kevin Martin, mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, thinking about people who've played for Rick Adelman in the past, and thus will be wonderful people. But it, it, he's not really in the discussion of saying, "Boy, that Kevin Martin is good." He sort of he gets thrown in there, like, "Oh yeah," and then Kevin Martin's not so bad. You're right. Well, I'll definitely take not so bad. Um, I'm really, really, really excited about it. I think he's a lot better than O.J. Mayo. Um, I think um, another yeah, avoiding O.J. Mayo was a good part of that. That is an actual, as well. That's a big yeah. deal. You know, um, another point I wanted to make about this whole um, the draft night and what was sort of frustrating about Muhammad and about Mayo in general is that. Um, I think the advanced statistics revolution is is here for basketball. Like, it's firmly here. Um, and uh, uh, Muhammad and Mayo are the perfect, I don't know if the word is bellwether, but, like, the perfect representation of if you like those guys, you don't like advanced stats. And if you don't like them, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're a fan of advanced statistics. Um, and I think that, I think baseball, that revolution of, like, well, these teams are doing it, and they're good at it, but other teams aren't, and they're still okay at it. This sort of, sort of like weird argument 
kind of ended like, I don't know, what do you think, like six years ago or five years ago, where I think everybody now has accepted all 30 teams, you know, 27 of the 30 teams employ it. They need it. The best teams in the major leagues use them. And that's just the way life is from now on, right? It's not just one way to do things. It's the only way to do things. And then there's the Twins and whoever is employing Dusty Baker at that particular time. The Twins, and I know the Phillies are holdouts as well, but that's you know that's really it. There's just a few teams left, and it just seems like the argue. I think the argument has been won already. Um, not in Hawk Harrelson's think- mind. Hawk Harrelson is still fighting that battle. Right, exactly, and uh, that can be. Oh, I think we just lost two. Um, <laughs> wow, we're not even past the hour mark, and we're already losing two. people. Um, you know, I think that's like. Uh, a thing that has been happening, and I, I don't see people arguing about it in baseball a whole lot anymore, right? I mean, the peop- there are people who are just gone, but for the vast majority of people who understand baseball started going, oh, I get it. I understand why that's important and why this is less important. You know, the principles are the game's over. Yeah, it does feel a little more settled when it comes to baseball. And I think that same like thing that was happening five years ago in baseball is now happening in basketball where – the argument is, oh, you can do things one way, like Flip said. You know, some guys use the eye test, some guys use whatever else. Well, my point of view is that Flip's wrong, um, and you can't use the eye test to have any success whatsoever. Um, and Muhammad is a perfect example of an inefficient player. Nick Young is a perfect example. O.J. Mayo is a perfect example, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so we'll see. So basically what you're saying is that what basketball really needs is for Michael Lewis to write an incredibly smarmy book about how he and three people who like basketball statistics are smarter than everyone else. And then there needs to be a foil like Joe Morgan. I I don't know who that foil would be in basketball. Maybe it would be like... Flip Saunders. Yeah, Flip Saunders. He already did write that article. Did he? It wasn't a full book. He obviously just didn't get enough traction, but he wrote about Shane Battier like three years ago and the revolution that's coming to basketball. So, yeah, that's already, it's already in progress, man. It's happening. Michael Lewis wrote about Shane Battier. Michael Lewis did, All yeah. right. I was thinking you were saying Flip Saunders wrote about Shane Battier, which I would be interested in to see no. what he said because <laughs> no. I think people agree no, that yeah. Shane Battier is an effective player um, on a championship I will say this team. about depends on how many minutes um, old uh, – old Muhammad gets, but I think he's going to be the Delman Young of the Wolves. So he's um, taking over for Derek Williams is what you're saying. Very casual fans will look at him and go, hey man, he only plays 20 minutes a night, but he's averaging like 13 points. Sounds like a pretty good guy to have. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Having the team. And it'll infuriate the people who are like obsessed with basketball and understand efficiency that saying, no man, he's fucking... He's not good at basketball. Like he's like the new Michael Beasley or whatever, right? <laughs> like the tipping point type guy. That's who Muhammad is going to be. Um, and anyway, we'll see if I'm right or not. But that's, uh, I think that's a battle that's being waged in like the circles of people who care about basketball right now. 
So what we're really saying is that Clarence is going to love Shabazz Muhammad, and you are going to hate him, and eventually you'll have to fight in a parking lot in Rosemount. Yeah, Clarence could could really like him. Um, I don't know if he's goofy enough to be very sportive. You know? Yeah, who is the most sportive guy on the Timberwolves? Other than Ricky uh, Rubio, who we all agree with. Steamer. The Steamer? But Steamer's gone now, isn't he? We're releasing him because we've got old Josephine Doritos, or whatever we're calling him. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually do think uh, I do think that Greg Doritos might be the most sportive guy. Really? Yeah, he's he's been here for like ten minutes. Is he goofy? Really good defensively, underrated. Um, that's two of the you know. Yeah, but a, is he goofy? A, yeah, I don't know if he's goofy enough. But his name's Greg Doritos. True. That's cool. Where is he from? Is he from Romania? Um, he's from Wilmer. He's <laughs> <laughs> just outside of Wilmer. Just outside he, went to, of Wilmer. Uh, he went to Kirk Open Murdoch Sunberg for high school. And, uh, the KMS yeah, Fighting so. Saints. Yeah, he spent yep. his summers in Staples Motley. That's one does. Yeah. yeah. No, I have no idea. I think he's probably from Africa, John. Really? Yeah. He sounds like point. he has a Romanian name. <laughs> no. Greg Doritos. That's a very Romanian name. <laughs> Doritos. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, he does sound Eastern European. Yeah, it's possible. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's Romanian until somebody proves me wrong. That's fine. So go ahead and tweet in, Sport Podcast listeners, to tell us. Let us know. Yeah, Please confirm where Greg Doritos is actually from, and if you know where Quinnipiac is, go ahead and tweet that in too, because we're still kind of having Quinnipiac. That is just outside St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. Just outside, <laughs> middle of the Midwest. Um, That's on the John, Illinois side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, John, I think that you need to get excited about this Wolves team now. Last last year, before Kevin Martin, you had them as uh, went in like what, like sixty seven, sixty eight games. I had them. Once. Oh, that was Rand. That no. was Rand. John had them at sixty two. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I honestly picked them. Getting, you, you gave him a buy in the first round for some reason. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. Really yeah, I, weird prediction. I had him sort of directly into the conference finals. <laughs> sort of like the College World Series. Like the one team is in the winner's side and every other team's got to play every other team in the College World Series like 14 times. Yeah, you were so excited about it that you made up rules that you thought might be implemented yep. in basketball. I thought they would probably have... I mean, Ricky Rubio does solve a lot of sins here. So... Obviously, I'd I'd like to be excited. I can't help but go back to Rubio's original injury and say that if that had never happened, nothing would have happened. Like, nothing's been the same since Ricky Rubio's knee exploded after Kobe Bryant kicked him or however that happened. I prefer to imagine that Kobe Bryant, like, stabbed him in the knee while nobody was watching, and that's how that happened. But no, that's exactly what happened. There was a lot yeah. of excitement. It was, it was kind of on the uphill, and the Timberwolves weren't very good that year, but they were getting better, and they were sort of in the middle of things. And Rubio's, at that point. Yeah, Rubio's knee injury sort of started the next 18 months worth of absolute crap that happened. Between that and Kevin Love's knuckle push-ups and all of the it other stuff. the butterfly effect of absolute crap. Yeah, where it was just nothing went right. I mean, Rick Ottoman's wife was having health problems. Everybody was having problems. And it feels like... I can't believe Kobe Bryant made her have seizures. Yeah, That's, that was... Unbelievable. That was really cool. And he's walking the streets today as a free man. Exactly. Man. (laughs) What a fucking... You know what that is? That's reverse racism. That literally is. I I don't know exactly what reverse racism means. You ever heard Kobe Bryant say we? No. Uh -uh. Jonathan Taze. 
Jonathan Taze says we all the time. Every other word. I want to be clear. And that's that the, why I watch hockey. I rest on your face. The official sportive <laughs> position is that Jonathan Taze. <laughs> The official sport of position is that Jonathan Taze is a wiener, so let's just be clear on that. But the the thing that I worry about kind of constantly is that somehow the Timberwolves missed their window last year. They had a lot of pieces in place. They had AK, who pro- you know I think we can pretty much say he's not coming back at this point. Correct. Well, that's, that's almost seven million per year. For Kevin Martin's got to come from somewhere. And that, that's probably where it's coming from. That does bring yeah. up an, an, another question, though, which is where are the Timberwolves at? Are they going to be able to re-sign Pekovic now? Is that like their only yeah. move left? Yes, they, they, can go over, yeah, they can go over cap. Yeah, so they're they're fine. I mean, they got the most money to give them. So it's pretty much that, and maybe they can waive Steamsman and Chris Johnson and free up some money that way and sign somebody for the exception or whatever. But that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I, th- I think the goal now becomes trying to trade Berea or Ridenauer for um, defensive uh, wing less, player. Yeah, for a less, you know, you're going to give up some offense for defense. That's that would be the goal right now. So I don't know who that is. I haven't really scoped out targets, but there may be some team that's got somebody who can lock somebody down but need some offense. They might see something in in Ridenauer or Berea. And yes, I understand how ridiculous it is to think that another team really wants somebody like that. So you're really looking at like a scrape in the bottom of the barrel type situation. I think Jose Brea is genuinely useful as sort of a spark off the bench kind of guy. So there yeah. were there have been a number of games when he's provided sort of the second unit sort of late third quarter kind of spark to start bringing him back because despite being five foot two, he can get to the rim. He you know he can't shoot very well, but some nights yeah. you know he can shoot okay to. Do something. He, he's a useful guy to have on your team. Now, when you get into last year, when you're playing him 35 minutes a game and he's taking 27 shots and he's got all of that time to turn from good JJ into bad JJ, I realize yeah. that's a problem. But he's not a bad guy to have on your team. I, I, I would be a little bit, you know, I don't necessarily want to move heaven and earth to keep him. But nor do I want to move heaven or earth to trade him either, either just to get rid of him, because I think he's a useful guy to have. Ridnauer no, I mean, seems like the odd man out. He, he does seem like the odd man out. He's, his value is sort of, he's sort of like the outfielder in baseball who's hitting like 245, but everybody talks about his veteran present. Uh, they, you know, he just, he just shows up to work every day and does his job, and Lunch he comes pale. to play. Yeah, he's Jamie Carroll, basically, is what we're saying. He can yeah. do so many different things. He really provides value. He's just not that good. He's fine. He's yeah. just not that good. But you look at um, the Pacers in the playoffs running out DJ Augustine as their backup. Every single time he touched the ball, it was immediate, like, bounce off his knee turnover. Like, there are some teams who just need a backup guy who's competent. Um, I'm not saying Pacers are the team, but he has some value. Yeah, but, I mean, the value is we get rid of his contract and get a second-round pick that we can later sell, right? Yeah, maybe. they got to find some defense somehow. Honestly, I don't understand why you wouldn't just, like, scour Europe or the D-League for a veterans minimum guy who can't shoot worth a lick but can play some defense. There's there's guys like that. There's got to be. You know, the thing to do here is probably trade Ridnour to the Wizards because they've shown that they're bad at evaluating stuff. The Wiz be stupid. Yeah, mm-hmm. real dumb. I, I kind of wish we knew who the Wizards general manager was right now so we could make fun of him by name. 
Ernie Grunfeld, right? Ernie Grunfeld. Didn't That's he used, an actual person's name. Didn't he used to run the Cavs back when they couldn't do anything right? That, that'd Maybe. be Ted Stepien, and he's dead now. <laughs> and Danny Ferry, who's now with the Hawks. Yeah. God, dude, it is weird how much we know about basketball. It really is strange. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so who wants to talk about trading Cal Clutterbuck for Nino Niederreiter? Who? I like the name. That's a great name trade. You're not going to get a better name trade. Ni- El Nino, they call him. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, not since Doug Fister was traded for Charlie Furbush has there been a as good of a name trade as yeah. Clutterbuck for Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. And that's a trade that could only happen in baseball or hockey, too. True. Somehow, baseball and hockey is the only sport that has names like Clutterbuck and Niederreiter. Yes. Uh, but to answer your question, John, no. Yeah, we really have nothing for that. I give I you a live sports update. Do you want a live sports update? I do want a live oh. sports update. We'll that's do a weather update after. after this, too. Okay, uh, Homer Bailey, no hitter for the Reds. That's in the books. That's in the it's books. over. That is in the books. It's happened. So since it happened for the Reds, who's the first person? Maybe I'll be the first person to mention Johnny Vandermeer and Kenny do it again. Also a Cincinnati uh, we'll, Red. We'll, we'll find out in five days. Yeah. I bet you're not um, the first person. I probably am not. Probably not. Probably not. Especially since and this podcast won't be listened to by anyone until like Monday. Yeah, yeah and the true. Twins are getting their ass kicked. So that's Are they? Kind of... Yeah, it's seven to one. Uh, Robinson Cano hit a three-run home run to make it a ridiculous game here not too long ago. So. so, at what point do the Twins just stop throwing the ball anywhere near Robinson Cano, who is, other than Brett Gardner, the only person in that lineup who can hurt you? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they uh, got the first four. They got the first four runs. What you know, Lyle, the Lyle Overbase and Alberto Gonzalez is of the lineup. So, and my guy Gene has just been putting on a clinic in the right field corner. Tonight, it's just, <laughs> I believe the phrase monkey fucking a football is what's in play. For, oh, he just, oh, been, he, is, he is like responsible for at least two extra bases tonight. It's not, it's not been a good night for Gene. So this Poor does, does kind of segue. This does kind of segue into our next topic, which we wanted to talk about the Twins a little. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's, that's that. So Gene Parmesan, terrible. Above, uh, um, improved at the plate, though. I mean, he's actually been hitting really well the last month, I believe, especially his power numbers, I think, are relatively decent. It's just he's not the best fielding right fielder. Just the perfect amount of okay to be a terrible player. Yeah. You know? Like, he's just good enough to always be out there. You can't cut him. He has a couple oh, of things Plouffe. here and he's there. Trevor Plouffe. Or Brian Dozier. Brian Dozier also fits there. Are you saying yeah. we have three guys who are the perfect amount of terrible on the same squad? Well, <laughs> we've got other guys who are. We've got guys who are varying amounts of terrible. You're right. That's that's a bad sign. You've got your Aaron Hickses who are young and terrible, but he's like he, obviously terrible, right? You know what I mean? Like we know what he is. Parmalee is just this like question mark. We're like maybe every week. I guarantee one of us is gone. Oh, maybe maybe this is it. He may have turned a corner. I don't. I see. He's, He's figured fucking, it out. I feel like I've been making fun of Chris Parmalee since he was in single A somehow. So, Gene I, was my guy back in the day. He was good. Yeah. good and prospect, who else was your prospect. guy? Oh, I have so Shooter many Hunt. guys. Shooter Hunt. Shoot. Shooter's number one. Um, I actually uh, had him fill up my tank earlier today. It was good to see him. <laughs> good, good to see, see Shooter. <laughs> Try to keep up with him. Yep. 
just go down to the gas station and throw him a couple of bucks. I think my new guy is Hudson Boyd. Uh, okay. At Cedar Rapids, right? I have no idea. I just know that we have a guy in the organization named Hudson Boyd, and he's a pitcher, so I have to take him with that yeah, name. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I can't do anything. <laughs> that makes sense. Guys. I don't even like him. Anybody who sounds like a car from 1942. He is Hudson Boyd. I still have to cheer for him. My grandfather had a Hudson Boyd after he got out of the war. <laughs> Genuine Detroit Steel, the Hudson Boyd, 1943's finest car. <laughs> Sorry. Don't really know where that one came from. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you, um, because I still have not been able to watch any uh, Twins this year, um, what happened to Jared Burton? Uh, he kind of got hurt, and I now... Believe, was it a groin injury? It was yeah, a groin injury. I believe it was a groin injury. It was a, a good, good groin injury? Yeah. Yes, it, yes, Sam, it was a groin injury. It happened about June 1st, and since then he's been awful. Just straight yeah. up awful. So the April, rule is yeah. you have to you have to play through an injury for, is it six weeks for the Twins? Well, for Josh Willingham, it was about four weeks before they finally okay, yeah. discovered that he had a torn meniscus, of all things. So there he is now. If he's in the DL, he's in. He's onto the uh, rub some dirt on it phase, right? Well, he's yeah. past the rest and rehab phase into okay. the now he's hurt for another year phase. Oh, all right. Followed but wait, by he's not to the uh, surgery phase, right? Not yet. Away, that like, comes in October. Right. That comes late enough that he can't play next year until June first. They don't win in because they had. That's I love that because then he'll go into the doctor because he thinks he has strep throat, and then they'll have to, like, take off one of his toes because it's gangrenous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so, great. basically, he, this injury has to drag on long enough that not only does it ruin him for this year, it also ruins him for next year, which and is important. Be able to trade him. Well, they're not going to be able to trade him this year for sure now. Of course. Yeah, there is and no trade value. So, Fucking that's... Great. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's not like he couldn't see it coming, I guess. Everybody was pretty excited about... the. Everybody here was pretty excited about him signing Willingham last offseason, in part because he, I think, is their biggest free agent signing ever in terms of dollars given out over the life of the contract. No kidding. But you wonder, boy, this you know he hit 35 home runs last year, he drove in 100-some runs, and you thought, boy, this was a coup for the Twins, and nobody seemed that interested in trading for him last year or this year, and this is the reason why, is because... He's never in his life managed to stay on the field for very long. And that's maybe that's not a slur on his personality or anything. It just is true that for whatever reason he He's tends to get hurt. No, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> no we're not one's listening. Mouth breathing morons. Unite. Um, you gotta get back out, out there, Will and Ham. Yeah. So this this sort of was guaranteed to happen at some point is one of his knees would fall apart, which is what happened, or his arm would fall off, or whatever usually happens to the twins. So this is sort of what you get when you sign a guy that has sort of fourteen million dollar a year production, but you sign him for half that because everyone assumed that of that twenty one million dollars you'd sign him for, about ten would go to times that he was actually playing and the other eleven would just sort of be paid to him while he was on the disabled list. Right, yeah. So that's a so bummer. They're not trading Willingham. They probably won't be able to trade Morneau because he has an enormous contract and he's hit five home runs this year or whatever. So the two guys that we sort of came into the year saying, well, maybe they'll be able to get something for them. Not 
you know, not a great prospect or even a good prospect. We're talking like a J.C. Romero-level prospect here. But somebody like that who could be useful down the line is what... Anything's useful. Yeah. I mean... Okay, so those guys are out of it. Let me ask you about Glenn Perkins, our boy Glenn. He's going to be... Stu's boy, right? Glenn. I think he's all of our boys, right? Well, well I guess Stu gets him. Yes. Stu gets him. You're right. Yeah. He's a, Stu's, like, friends with him. He follows me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that. They regularly have conversations on Twitter while the rest of us stand outside as if we are children with our noses pressed against the ga- glass on Christmas. I can talk to him and see if he'll follow you guys. No, I, I don't want that. I don't want your pity follow, I know, Stu I or Glenn know. Perkins. I so, want to earn that. Yes. I want a pity follow. Okay. I, um, he probably knows Nishak. I can maybe like say, hey, you know, Nishak's friend Brandon yeah, like yeah. Uh, maybe uh-huh. a follow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can set you up with some St. John's Bay, and it'll all be good. Oh, yeah. Remind him that we have met in the past. We played baseball okay. at the same time. And oh. remind him that I do have I do have his baseball glove, and I do have his cleats that I wear. Really? Yeah. Like yeah. his wow. officially licensed one or ones that belong to Glenn Perkins? Or you stole it out of his locker. Uh, he got a Nike glove. And he used it for a couple of games, didn't love it, gave it to a clubby who I'm friends with who gave it to me. Wow, that, well, that's nice. That, yeah, so I love a pity follow. <laughs> that's kind of okay, quite well, the story. Every yeah, so often we run into these things on the podcast where Brandon just knows a guy who knows a guy, <laughs> and it's just the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know several major league pitchers, or, oh, I know this clubhouse attendant. You're like the, the connected one on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. It's weird that I don't have any friends. Huh. Well, that's All your right. own fault uh, for moving to Dallas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, he's probably going to get traded, right? Perkins? I would think. Well, it's such a friendly contract to the team. Well, I mean, I guess it also helps, too, that it's a friendly contract. Yeah. But, but, I mean, they can, I mean, if they get a good, you know, offer, they have to make that trade, don't they? Yeah. They yeah, but what qualifies as a good offer? Um... Like a top two or three prospect in somebody's system and a major league starter. Yeah, because he's kick ass. I mean, he's really, I mean, he's really good this year. Probably, top, would you say a top three closer? Is that a fair thing to say? Top five? Seems like it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, he's unfrickin' hittable. I mean, he's. He, he both follows me on Twitter and he's really good at his job. So he's just he's just like Marsaller. What a world. <laughs> I what know. a world we live in. Exactly. I, I, well, what a world I live in, to be fair. So, that's true. Sorry. That's true. I don't. That was, I don't that, was, that, was, that was mean. But yeah, they. Ha- I mean, yeah, if the offers right. Don't. I mean, they have to. I mean, or I believe there was talk on in the internet today about there being a possible trade market for Kevin Correa. Really? Yeah. And I mean, you got to make that just, Jesus, take every call. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever that's they're perfect... offering. Yeah, I mean, and I, I assume there'll probably be a team that needs that fifth starter to get through the rest of the season. That's in the, you know, they're, that Kevin Curry is actually an improvement over what they're throwing out there right now. Can they, I mean, it's got to be one of the last few teams that don't understand statistics, right? Yeah. Can yeah. They, they, they have him to know to he's Pirates? getting very lucky. Yeah. The Pirates are like hardcore analytics guys. At least they used to be. Maybe they're bad ago. at analytics. Oh, you never know. Yeah, it's just <laughs> terrible calculators. Yeah. Yep. Faulty calculators. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think you trade him for whoever you can. But the Perkins thing is really tough because 
Um, the contract is very team friendly. And the He's Twins aren't going to be job. bad for that long. I He's mean, they're, they're a big market team. He's one of you our guys. Like, you might like to have a closer in 2015 when you're, in theory, going to be halfway good again. But here's and the he other. signed through 2016. But here's the rub for that. Like, rub. how many closers <laughs> are. <laughs> how many closers. Honestly, this is where it's like, Glenn, if you're listening, please earmuffs this, and I feel bad about it, but how many closers are good for more than, like, three years? Very fair. I was, just, well, that was very fair. Well, relievers in general. Well, that's I mean, not Jared necessarily Burton, that true. Jared Burton you're watching Jared Burton fall apart right now. Well, human beings, again, I'm glad Clarence is here because I want to talk about how fucking unnatural it is to throw overhand. Human beings were not made to fucking relieve pitch. I mean... Nobody besides Mariano Rivera lasts for more than two or three years. If you look at the the uh, uh, the best closers from three years ago, they're not in the league anymore. Well, that's not true. Joe Nathan's still pitching well. Okay, but but we're talking exceptions here, right? True. Well, look how spoiled the Twins have been in the or, you know you know recent past. I mean, Nathan was effective for a long time. Aguilera effective for a long time. Jeff Rudin effective for a long time. Effective Eddie until he G. started robbing. Jewelry stores. Yeah, that. Yeah, he was, he he was ineffective at that. So. He was so, I mean, bad yeah, I mean, at robbing. Yes, I mean, you have to go back to Ron Davis for us. That's not I, true. I, I, we I, had John Roush like two years ago. Well, I'm talking. Okay, sorry. That's he a just fair point. I, I just really, I, I have Ron Davis on, on the train. So. <laughs> yeah, Roush, Roush, he, he was... He was the most intimidating-looking closer who was not an intimidating closer, in fact. Yeah, he was the softest-throwing 6'10 guy in the history of baseball. <laughs> he yeah, was like he six forced like to remove that neck tattoo. He was like he, he, really he haven't earned it. He was like 6'10", 265 pounds, neck tattoo, almost a face tattoo, really. It was past the neck. Um, it was the like anarchy extra-looking MF. Into the upper jaw. And when we got him, I was like, well, this guy must throw 98. And he got up there, and he was throwing these 91-mile-an-hour softballs. And it was like, wow, this is this is not in all keeping with what I expected out of this. He looked like a character from Major League. Like, he was the guy who threw incredibly hard, but also incredibly wild, like Charlie Sheen's character, except it was this guy in the prison yeah. system. He, like, if Charlie, if he could have played Charlie Sheen's role, he would have been perfect that, for that in Major League. And instead, he just wasn't like that at all. I don't know why I'm wasting all of this valuable podcast. I'm complaining about John Rauch of all people, but no, apparently, I'm very angry about it. Even we're now. not spending it any better way. That's true. Nobody's going to talk about the. Anyway. Well, nobody's going to talk about the wild draft with me. So, at this point, we're just wasting time instead of covering incredibly important things. Well, I hope that uh, for the sake of Perkins and the Twins, that he does get traded. You know, it's probably like the thing that should probably happen. Why do you want him to get traded? For his because sake, I hope he doesn't get traded. For his sake, it would probably be more fun for him to spend the rest of his summer in a pennant race. Yeah, but it's not like he just gets to come home and, you know, move home and work at the Byerleys until for the after he's done there. He's got to be there. His contract goes for four more years or something, right? Well, I mean, he can live in Minnesota his whole life. True, but what if he wants to live in Minnesota right now? I mean... With all his family and friends who care about him. Are you, you subtweeting me while talking to me? Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know. I assume that 
he's at an age where uh, he's got to go chase a ring, um, and he deserves it because he's he's been pitching out of his mind. Yeah. Um, and if you're a an athlete like you know like with this uh, you know ultra competitive spirit, it might not be fun just to play for the hometown team, hoping that someday in three years from now your management gets their head out of their ass and understands how to run a team. It actually would you know, be an interesting thing to hear from Perkins or Joe Maurer, for that matter. To do some yeah. sodium pentothal to those guys yeah, as well? to find out yeah. what they what they really want out of this kind of thing. Because they're sort of living the dream of all of us who grew up as playing baseball in Minnesota. They're playing yep. for, the, for the Twins and, you know, around all, all their family and stuff. And they're, it's exactly what all of us wanted to do. And so I wonder what the truth is there, whether they really... <laughs> Do like doing what they're doing, living the dream, or would they rather off be, you know, playing for Boston, trying to win a ring this year? Yeah, have a couple seasons of, you know, whatever. Yeah, have a couple seasons of glory, and then come home, Dave Winfield, Paul Molitor style, and live yeah. all your days. Terry Steinbach. Steinbach. Yeah. Caleb Fieldbar. Caleb Fieldbar. Old meat raffle. The old meat raffle. Who, who's pitching in a seven-one blowout right now? And I'm. And I'm sure he hasn't given up a run yet, has he? Nope, nope. Two, uh, two men up, two men out. Eighth inning meat raffle. Hashtag eighth inning meat raffle. Eighth inning meat raffle. Spread uh, the gospel. Yes, I do. Uh, the Twitter handle, yes, I do 84, I believe. I uh, was the guy who came up with that one. But he's in the ninth because they have no one left to pitch except for him and Perkins. So they, they, gotta used, uh, they, they didn't want to use Burton tonight. They didn't want to use, uh, what the fuck's his name? Dunsane. They've already used Presley and Bigfoot, so it's, yeah. Presley's still on Redicate. the team? He is yeah, still Presley's on the team. On the, yeah, Swarzak is the one who gave up all the relief runs, so Presley actually got, I think, out of the eighth inning after getting in a little trouble. But Presley seems just, like the uh, Milton of the Twins. <laughs> well, they got to keep him. Bring, There's nothing you can do. He brings a red stapler out to the mound of him, so it's <laughs> just squeezes it, refuses to give it up. It honestly took me yeah. a couple of seconds to go through and figure out what you meant by Milton, and I'm going to tell you the guys I went to first were first Eric Milton with the Twins uh-huh. ad in the no. '90s, and second was John Milton. And I was trying to think of how this could relate to Paradise Lost or anything like that. The thing now, huh. what literary illusion? No, he means Milton from Office Space. Yeah. Like, they just forgot about him. So, for some reason, he's the third Milton on my list. Fourth, I guess, would be Milton Bradley. Not the Indians outfielder. Indians outfielder Milton Bradley would be fifth. Board game maker Milton Bradley would be fourth. Okay. Where has this podcast gone? (laughs) Why is anybody letting me talk? Thank you. Um, What I wanted to talk about about the Twins was the trade deadline thing, and we talked about that. I got my rant of the Timberwolves um, out of the way. Thank you for that. Um, I am officially out of things to talk about. We we do have one thing from Stu that we want to talk about, which is a new show for Glenn Perkins, which I thought was oh. kind of where we were going with the Glenn Perkins talk, was to talk about the new concept show that I, I believe I saw Glenn Perkins is approved on Twitter. He needs to yeah. do this. Thanks to thanks to our guy at Randball, Michael Rand, who said, he tweeted something like, Perkins has given up three runs in... What he called outings uh, of outing consequence. Of consequence. Which yeah. is <laughs> one of Rand's famous made up stats. He does enjoy yeah. making up his own statistic and outings. Didn't he of have like a home run stat of like important home runs or something mm-hmm. that he was just trying to like manually keep track of one year? Yeah, I believe so. 
go ahead home, home runs when you when you have a visible boner through your uniform pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he invented this stat called outings of consequences. Out outings of consequence, which Stu pointed out, sounds like a off season Fox Sports Net show. And yeah, now a travel I, show. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think Stu has invented sort of season one of what Glenn Perkins will be doing. Oh, I I think what these travel shows need are like a travel show that doesn't go to like exotic destinations because that's pretty play. I mean, Anthony Bourdain has pretty much got that played out. I mean, he's he's so good at it, and there's a lot of other shows that copy that that aren't half as good. And you need to go entirely the other direction and just go to like really mundane, you know, shitty towns and try to find anything good about them. Okay, and I mean, and I mean, and Perkins is already like you know tweeted out that he like likes to go to Wisconsin to make uh, runs for New Glarus beer since it's only sold in Wisconsin. So he like send, you know, first episode send it to like Grantsburg and, you know, Hudson and other shitty towns across the border and find, you know, the best price on New Glarus spotted cow and maybe yeah, then like a lot of really good strategy involved in something really boring. Yeah, the next episode like go school shopping at the candy mall in Wilmer. <laughs> You know, I'm God, that's two mentions for Wilmer now. That's the... Oh, damn. <laughs> I've been school shopping at the candy mall in Wilmer. <laughs> I have, too. <laughs> it's a good mall. That Herberger's Herber got a lot of good stuff. It's only an hour and a half from Wardenville. It was kind of convenient. Do you have to go to Watertown? Are you going to go to Watertown? Yeah. No, you're not going to go to Watertown. Yeah. That is gross. There's they like get Levi's for twenty four ninety nine at the Herberger's. Yeah. There's like a meat market in Hutchinson. He has to just drive out there and get his meat and come yeah. home. Yeah, get, get some jerky and grill it. And what about the Melrose Meat Shop in Melrose, Minnesota? Favorite of with, with a, John with Sharpen. A yeah, oh, why not? Why and not? He's, right. with Sharpen. He's, a, he's, friend, he's more friends with Sharpen than he is with me, so that might be a good combo platter right there. How does that make you nice. feel, Stu? Nice. It, it, it hurts a little bit. But, I mean, you know, I, I work through it because I've got other famous people who follow me. Diana Pierce follows me. No. Who? Diana Pierce from Care 11 follows me somehow. All right. Has she ever tweeted well, at you? Oh, God, no. Oh. No, no, no. I assume she thinks I'm Randall, so I'll, like, send her, like, you know, weird Ken Sexty things via DM just to <laughs> see what, you know. Sub girl? You see my face in the pit paper? <laughs> I'm on page two. You know what I mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no, I just don't. open up yeah, and there's my face. I, that, that was the most Sorry. mystifying Twitter follow I've ever gotten, and I, 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 I don't know what to do about that. But. I was followed by Billy Bush like a year ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Probably not anymore. He, but it wasn't like because it wasn't like because I mentioned him, and he, you know, has like a weird team that just follows. I don't know. Random yeah. Billy Bush. Yep. Hey, Bill. Yeah, I, I, I literally just, I would respond and say, don't follow me, you're awful, everything you stand for is awful, and go to hell. I don't but like I, you. I don't like you or anything about you. Who is Billy Bush? He's, uh, I don't know what really, he is related to the Bush political dynasty, so, you know, strikes one through fucking 27 there, but he's also uh, a host on Access Hollywood. He's like an entertainment correspondent type. Yeah. yeah, just the worst. It's like, uh, and this just in, is one of the Kardashians pregnant? One of those guys, you know? Is it the only one, or the sort of good-looking one, or the other one that's good-looking but weird? 
So I, I yeah. sorry, yeah, but yeah, I don't like Billy Bush. I think is the gist of what I'm saying out here. Good. So yeah, died. anyway, I going. think Glenn Perkins should have a program where he goes to weird, boring places and tries to find fun things going on there. He's got a lot of knowledge about little stuff like that that I think would be he interesting. Does. He does. He does. You like go to like you know all the you know crappy town parades in the summers. He has the best candy. Who's not just giving out the little generic Tootsie Roll shit, but giving out like good candy bars and yeah, you know, yeah, the name pop. brand shit. Kids like freezes the Charleston shoes, so they're frozen. And those, I mean, those things are the best ever. And you can like bring a couple of those, and it's, yeah, that's I think a thing that he would be really good at. A and frozen Charleston shoe? Oh, you've never had a frozen Charleston shoe? Never once considered it. Oh God! It's it literally it'll, it'll change. It's like you know Zach Braff giving the headphones and Garden State, or not uh-huh. the other way around. The Natalie Portman giving him it's instead yeah. of the Shen song, the it's just frozen Charleston shoes going right into your ears. It's awesome. Oh man! Okay, seriously, it'll right. change your life. All right, I'm on board. So, you know, I think yeah. that the best thing about the um, Glenn Perkins outing of consequence um, thing is we can call it GPOC. I think that's <laughs> that makes perfect sense. We need to get GPOC on the air. Hashtag GPOC. Yeah, actually, uh, and Derusha actually chimed in, and he's like a media bigwig, so he's he's on we board got, too. So we got Derusha on board. You know, we got Sharkman all over that shit. Yeah, Ramball. I mean, you got you got the Strib, uh, and you got WCCO who will you know put some page resources two's giant into it. Face. Yeah, yeah, page Love two's it. giant face. Yeah. So I think, um, and I think I don't. I think John's hanging out with Rand on Thursday. So um, okay, there's, there's. I think there's some sort of soccer thing going on. That's I don't know if that's you know confidential or not. But well, yeah, well it's soccer, oh. so no one knows about it anyway. So it's confidential yeah, by default. I thought we were yeah, talking about John Sharkman and Rand. I was like, why no, is Sharkman you, going you, you to go to a them. soccer game? But so, really, you're talking you, about me. Our yeah. main tenets of this podcast: number one. Never use facts. I um, think we're probably no. at that point in this podcast. We didn't get any facts in today. Number two, never call, never call an athlete with a hard-to-pronounce name by his real name. Yep. Correct. And number three, get GPOC on the air. Yep. Yes, I think that's what we, we care really about. Is that it. right? Three tennis. Yeah, and I want an executive producer title on this. I want to be in the credits. You I want an EP? I want to. I want EP. I want my kids to know that I when I was on this planet, I did something. EP on GPOC. That's what I want. I want them to DVR that for you know posterity's sake, and I say, "Hey, Dad, he did that." I and think it'll just be a my name of a picture over a picture of Glenn Perkins eating like you know buffalo wings at an old old country buffet in Monticello. I've got I've got two more tenets I want to add to the list of things that are important on the podcast. Number four is getting Clarence to eat a taco at some point. Okay. We started oh, we started up the negotiation on Twitter again this weekend about how can we make the taco edible for Clarence just to get him possibly now, in the neighborhood of the taco. It's now a sloppy Joe. Yep, it is now yeah, a sloppy Joe. Basically, we're grinding up a cheeseburger and putting it in a tortilla <laughs> and seeing if Clarence will eat that. We're negotiating with a four-year-old. <laughs> oh. and, I, and number five, for me at least, is to get Stu random moments of fame, like throwing out the first pitch at a Northwoods League game. 
I, I think for me, what is Hector's Town Festival like? Summer festival. Corn chaff days. Corn chaff days. Corn chaff days. I think yes. Corn chaff days. I, I think my goal is that Stu will be on a float, possibly the Grand Marshal of the Corn Chaff yeah, Days. I'm, I'm gunning for Grand Marshal. Yeah. Okay. I, I I think we need to get to the point where Stu can be that important in the Hector Parade and yeah. can do the wave and throw out candy, like you said, frozen Charleston chews. That's the way yeah. you want to go with this. Put an eye out. I think that's oh, yeah. tenant number five for the sport of. Yeah, well, I, um, for those, I think some people actually do look for this. I will be live tweeting the Corn Chaff Days Parade again this year for the fourth straight year. When is oh, yeah. Corn Chaff Days? Uh, Saturday, uh, July 12th, same day as the Kenny Chesney Show. Oh, that's and, a shame. Um, I, I know I, you were excited about that Kenny Chesney Show. Oh, who, who wasn't? Um, we'll find you. Yeah, at, 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 no- at noon, I will be live tweeting that. Well, I think I think we can all look forward to that at Ramball Stew yes. on Twitter. Yep, at Ramball Stew. I'll be let in. There'll be like a count of how many tractors and semis are in there. And, uh, Do they start with a fire truck? I have, uh, they start. No, they start with the honor guard. Okay. And the ambulance, and um, and a cop car. Then it's a fire truck. Then it then it just that's when it, then that's when it gets good. So. When you were in school, were you ever in the parade twice for two different things? Like you had to do one um, thing and then go to no, the, back was, to the yeah, end of the line. No, no, no. I was just you know when I was in it. I don't even know if we had that parade back then. You know, we had the homecoming parade, but I don't know that we had the town festival. Really wasn't thrown together the way it is now until like the early nineties. Would you like to call anybody out by name of who has really gotten corn chaff days in shape? Um, let's see. I'll call up my aunt Lori. My aunt Lori uh, Carlson does a great job. Shout out to she's Lori. Very, shout out to Lori. She's very civic minded. She's in the the Lions or the and the Legion Auxiliary, and she just you know throws her heart into it. She's awesome. So, and yep. She watches my kids and my dog every once in a while, so she's just the best. So she's on Twitter at at Randball's Lori Carlson. <laughs> at Randball Stew's aunt Lori Carlson, and uh, yeah, you'll, so, you'll want to track her down. Go ahead and give her a follow. Good egg. Yeah. All right. Do we want to? Do we have any more ranting about flip to do, or can we be, be done with that yeah. for the night too? Yeah, I think you uh-huh. could probably you can call this one. I think. Yeah, oh. I'm done. I feel like you know we're not pushing the two hour mark. I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm too yeah, drunk. I'm yeah, I'm tapped out, man. All right. Well, we'll we'll wrap it up then. Uh, uh, I I don't know what to say at the end. Usually we plug whoever was on this week, but. We kind of forgot about planning this out and sort of cast it around this morning for guests. Please come back. Holly, Dana, Michael, Parker, somebody Uh, else. Sharkman, Gleams, um, Stan Sass. Rough Cat. Dylan. Dylan. Anybody. Yeah, bros. Please come Um, back. Yes. We... To be fair, many of them probably would have come on the podcast, but we scheduled this this morning and then just sort of gave yeah, look at it. We don't even know if we're going to have one this week. Yeah, I spent about a, I spent about eleven seconds trying to get a guest this morning and then just gave up. So yeah. that's once again the sportive production quality, as you can tell that we've been rambling on about how we should end this podcast for the last ten minutes. So. Yeah. You're, welcome, You're getting what everybody. you paid for. You're you getting welcome. what you paid for, listeners. Once again, uh, well, except for the couple of people who have sponsored us who are just wondering what the heck we're doing. And right thank now. you. And please, please continue sponsoring us. Yep. We, please continue giving us your pennies on the dollar, and we'll take anything. I'll you know. go. 
Our, they might send me to a field trip or something. Yep, our yep. first idea was to send Stu to the Kenny Chesney concert so that he could... Fund the field trip. Yep, he could suffer there, but unfortunately he has to go to the Corn Chap Days Parade. So. Yeah, win-win as far as I'm concerned right there. All right, so we'll wrap it up. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at Sportive Podcast. Um, I can't think of anything else to plug, so we'll just see you later. Good night. Love you. Come into the world alone. And you go out of the world alone. But in between, cause you and me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 